All right, welcome to the Homestead Community Church podcast. Normally, this message is recorded during our service on Sunday mornings. This past Sunday, we had a technical glitch, so the sermon did not get recorded. So I am going to uh, do this uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. This is the Wednesday morning edition of the Homestead Community Church podcast. So if you are a listener, thanks for listening. Um, we appreciate you doing that. Um, I feel like I should, in true podcast form, say if you want to share this or let people know that these sermons are online, uh, go ahead and do that. I don't know how you do it, but you can go ahead and do it. Um, We have been in a series of teachings at Homestead for the last few weeks called Follower. That's what the series has been called, Follower. And essentially what we've wanted to do is this, um, the idea of being a follower in today's day and age uh, has a lot to do with <clears throat> social media and clicking a button and being a fan or being a supporter or wanting to be an observer from a distance. That's how you get followers. That's how you are a follower. If someone's famous or someone you want to keep in touch with from a distance, you become a follower. Well, in the Bible, Jesus called his disciples to follow him, called them to be followers, and that meant something completely different. That was leave your life and actually follow. Like, you know, take steps behind him, um, follow him, listen to his teachings, become a disciple. It changed everything, every part of their life being a follower of Jesus. And so that is what I wanted to take a few weeks uh, and talk about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Because Christianity in today's world means a lot of things. It could mean a political affiliation or standing up for certain social issues, political issues. That's what being a Christian can mean. It could mean going to church or behaving a certain way, doing things, not doing things. But at the heart of uh, the message of Christianity is this. Christianity is being a follower of Jesus. It is learning his teachings, uh, following his teachings and his examples applying to applying those to our life that's what that's what it means and so that's what i wanted to look at over these past few weeks and continuing on part six of this series today we're talking about prayer we've talked about a number of things over the past few weeks and i invite you to go back and listen to those and get caught up if you want to get caught up on those teachings but for those of you who are a part of our homestead local community um, you would know this that we are in the midst of a season of change and transition in our church where we are, uh, we've been meeting in a local Methodist church, a lovely Methodist congregation has been allowing us to start our church in their facility. Uh, We share the building with them, but we have purchased a building in downtown Farmington, Minnesota, and uh, we are in the middle of a construction renovation project, and within a couple of months, hopefully, we will be in that building, and I just see this as a time for our church where it's a... Uh, a season where we are getting ready for growth, um, both um, numerically as a church, I believe we're going to grow as we get into this new building, but also in ministry, in discipleship, in spiritual growth for all the families of our church, for kids' discipleship and students. Um, And so I thought it was a key time for us to just take a few weeks and really focus in on what is the core issues that we as followers of Jesus need to be focusing on. So today we're going to start this message in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and it says this, Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer. And Matthew 7, verse 7 says this, Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, 
Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, now he's talking to earthly fallen parents here, uh, parents who are not perfect. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is teaching about prayer here. Jesus is teaching about prayer because prayer is something that followers do. This is the foundation of what we do as followers. We must have this relationship with God, and that comes through prayer. All of those words that we read in that passage in Matthew, ask, seek, knock, they're all referring to prayer. Ask. What a great opportunity we have to ask God for things, to present our needs to God. Seeking, we mentioned this in uh, last week's sermon, how Jesus taught um, that the, the good shepherd will leave the 99 and seek after the one who is lost, or the parable of the lost coin or the lost son, how important it is to seek after what is um, lost, seeking after something of great value, prioritizing that. That is what Jesus is referring to in prayer, living a life seeking after that which is of great value, the presence of God, seeking after a life of prayer. And finally, knock. Knock and the door will be opened. Prayer is a way to gain access into this relationship, into the presence of God. What an amazing opportunity we have to pray. Prayer is communication with God. It is not a means to an end. It's not something we do just to get something in return. It's the goal. Prayer, a life of prayer, is the goal. It opens the door to that relationship with God. So quite simply put, followers of Jesus pray. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, and I've said this every week in this series at church, if you don't want to, if you don't want to be a follower of Jesus, then you can disregard everything Jesus says, because he says, if you want to follow me, then do these things. So followers of Jesus, if you want to follow him, you pray. Jesus spoke often on prayer. Jesus modeled a life of prayer. Um, and so with this new season and this new season of ministry and growth in our church, I see great potential for the ministry that's going to happen out of that building. But it is only going to happen if we are anchored in lives of prayer both individually and collectively as a church community. We have great ministry. We have great student ministry. Kids are growing in faith. Students are growing in faith and relationship to one another. Um, <clears throat> there's great potential for community outreach through this building that we're going to have. Um, seeing, the, the, seeing the light of Jesus impact the darkest areas of our cities. But all of these things must be anchored in prayer. And so we're going to need to grow in this. Our church if I can be um, open and honest with you, our church has not been great in prayer. And it's my fault as the pastor. I haven't led it well to be a church great in prayer. So we're going to need to grow in this together. Because every move of God in history has been birthed in extended times of prayer. Asking, seeking, knocking. So for our church to see God move the way we want to see God move in the city of Farmington, we're going to need to take a next step of prayer. And so I want to talk today just for a few minutes on the three areas of prayer that Jesus teaches on, or three of the areas of prayer that Jesus teaches on. And the first one is this. 
The first one is the daily discipline of prayer. This is relationship prayer. This is spending time every day praying. This is hard for us at times. Hard for us because we tend to fill our schedules and think, well, I don't have any extra time. The bottom line is this. You make time for what is important. The things that are the most important are what you spend your time on. That's If you spend your time sitting on the couch watching TV, then, that, then you have prioritized that. If you spend your time working all day, well, then you have prioritized that. So if prayer is something that's going to be a priority, we have to find the time for it. And it can be a f- as simple as a f- uh, 15 minutes. It can be as simple as finding 15 minutes at the beginning of your day to read a chapter of the Bible and to spend some time applying it and praying. Um, but some of us don't prioritize prayer, daily prayer in our life because... We see it as like an awkward first date where we don't really know what to say. You're going to have something to say for the first few minutes, but then you're just going to sit there in silence, um, and you don't know what to talk about. Well, I want to encourage you with this. The more you do it, the more that communication in prayer is going to grow. In the same way, I use this example. Um, I have an addiction to red licorice. Um, It's gotten out of control, where now I will... Uh, it used to be when there was a red licorice, around, and I'm not talking about the red vines or the cherry flavor. It's red strawberry-flavored Twizzlers. Um, I'm addicted. And it didn't start out that way. It started out that it, it was a um, something that if they were around, I would eat a Twizzler, and I'm like, oh, that's good. And uh, But then I realized, well, I'm a grown-up. I can go to the store, and there was bags of Twizzlers there. I can have my own Twizzlers anytime I want. So I bought a sensibly-sized bag of Twizzlers, and I enjoyed it. And then I started eating Twizzlers every day. And then I started thinking about Twizzlers. Anytime I walk through the kitchen, I'm like, I got a bag of Twizzlers. I can have a couple. And then I noticed I was buying the family-sized bags of red licorice. And that uh, that is poorly titled because I can take one of those bags of Twizzlers down all myself. I don't need my family to take down the family sized bag of Twizzlers. The point is this. What started as feeding an appetite, the appetite grew. The desire grew. And that will be the same for prayer. As you do it, it'll grow. As you do it, you'll find you have more things to pray about. You'll have more things to talk to God about. So I want to encourage you just to start. This is what followers of Jesus do. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus is teaching on prayer. And he says, when you pray... Do this, this, this. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. That's when he gives us the Lord's Prayer. But what I want to highlight is that he says, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. Followers of Jesus pray. So just begin. Read a chapter of the Bible. Apply some of the verses. Write down maybe in a journal what stands out to you. And take a few minutes and pray about it. Pray about the needs of the day. Pray about your family. Pray about your job. All the things that are weighing you down. This is relationship daily discipline prayer. All right, the second uh, one is this, and it is when Jesus teaches on fasting and prayer. Right after Jesus says the words, when you pray, do this. When you pray, do this. In Matthew 6, verse 16, he says, when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. So what is fasting and prayer? Fasting is the voluntary and deliberate abstinence from food for the purpose of concentrated prayer. Now, many people will fast other things. Many people will fast media or television or social media. Um, They'll fast certain things, but really the word fasting itself refers to food. Food is unique because you need food 
to survive. And going without food is going to cause your body to revolt in a different way than going without some of these other things. So fasting food is a way to focus on prayer. And fasting food is a way to push down the flesh. Um, to remind ourselves then that more than a desire and a need for food, we long for and we have a great desire and a great need for God's presence. And throughout the Bible, we see stories of people who fasted. Um, Daniel fasted in the Old Testament when he needed God to give guidance and, and favor to him. Uh, there's a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 in the Old Testament where the Israelites, um, the nation of Israel, finds themselves uh, surrounded by an enemy army. And this enemy army was much more powerful than them. And so King Jehoshaphat called for a national fast, recognizing that the only way they were going to survive this, the only way they were going to be victorious is if God intervened. And they fasted and they prayed to God to intervene, and God did. The enemy was defeated. In fact, Israel didn't even need to fight this battle. God fought it for them. Because they gathered together as a nation and set aside time for fasting and prayer. That story is an awesome story. You should read it. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is where that story is found. In the New Testament, you read um, in the book of Acts, times when the disciples were fasting and praying. Um, in Acts chapter 13, I'm going to turn there. I, my bookmarks have been removed, so it might take me a second to find Acts chapter 13. Here it is. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, says this. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were many prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mannion, who had brought up with King Herod the Tetrarch, or Herod the Tetrarch, sorry, and Saul. So it lists all these names. Verse 2 says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So this is a time where the disciples were seeking specific direction from the Lord. And they set aside time for fasting and prayer. They said, God, we need to know what you want us to do specifically. Who do you want us to send out in different ministry roles? So they had a time of, of fasting and praying, seeking specific direction from the Lord. The next chapter, Acts chapter 14, verse 23 says this. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. So this is Paul and Barnabas who are traveling around planting churches. And in each church they fasted and prayed, seeking direction from God. Who should we put in positions of leadership of this new church? So these are specific instances where the, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, are fasting and praying because they are seeking specific direction from God. Um, a well-known story in the New Testament is when Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness before his ministry began. Now, this was the beginning of his mission, and Jesus knew there would be great opposition and temptation to turn away. And Jesus knew the only way to prepare himself and to sustain himself to do all that God had called him to do was to live a life of prayer and have times of fasting. Now, I find it um, important to note that this was Jesus. This was the Son of God. 
um, you would think, well, Jesus wouldn't need to fast because he had all the strength he needed. He had miracle working power in him. But yet, even Jesus recognized the only way to live the life that God had called him to do was to set aside time to fast and to pray. Fasting and praying is a time for increased focus and energy to prayer, to prayer with an increased intensity. There's a story in, in the Gospel of Mark where there was a young man who was possessed by a demonic spirit, an evil spirit, and the disciples had tried to cast this demon out, but couldn't do it. And finally they brought them to Jesus, and uh, Jesus prayed, and the, and the demon was cast out. And the disciples asked Jesus, why couldn't we do this? Why couldn't we cast it out? And in Mark chapter, tw- uh, nine chap- sorry, Mark chapter 9, verse 29, he said to his disciples, this kind of demon can only come out by prayer and fasting. Now, Jesus is teaching that there are some spiritual oppositions, some spiritual strongholds, and even in us, some, some long ingrained patterns of sin that we try to overcome, and yet we keep getting tripped up by these things. There are certain things that are broken only through prayer and fasting. So, all of these stories teach us this. If you are seeking direction from God, or you're seeking God to break through in an area of your life, or something that has been a stronghold, a battle that you've been fighting that you just can't get victory over, then prayer and fasting is something that you need to do. As a church, we are entering this season of increased ministry and influence, and we must grow in fasting and prayer. There was times leading up to the closing of this building where it felt like it was just hitting roadblocks. Every conversation I had with city leaders or building inspectors or architects or general contractors or lenders, it just felt like it was going in circles and not moving forward and just hitting dead ends every time. And we had times of prayer and fasting. We knew that this was a spiritual battle in addition to all the other areas that we were moving forward in. We needed to move forward in prayer and fasting, and we saw God open doors. I believe that we saw God open doors miraculously to lead us to be able to buy this building. Certainly how God provided the resources for us to be able to buy this building comes from a spiritual place, comes from a place of prayer and fasting, recognizing as those Israelites did in the Old Testament, we can fight all these battles we want on our own, but we're going to be victorious as we seek after God in prayer and fasting. There was another example recently where my wife was talking to a family in our church, and they were going through something. And they were seeking for God to move and God to speak and give direction. And Christy said to them, let's pray and fast this week. And so um, the wife in this family and Christy took time every day and they, they didn't eat breakfast and they didn't eat lunch. And then they broke the fast each day um, with dinner with their family. And they spent time praying. They spent time, instead of thinking about food, they spent time praying. And that's something powerful about fasting, is that you'll have those moments where your body longs for food, and that's a reminder. I'm not going to, I'm going to push down that desire and pursue my desire for God in prayer. I'm going to pray with an increased intensity. And we saw God answer prayers in that family situation that week as a result of prayer and fasting. So I want to encourage you, take some time. It could be a meal. It could be breakfast. It could be lunch. It could be a day where you go without food or an extended time of prayer or extended time of fasting and prayer. But take this time to have an increased intensity and fasting in your prayer. The third thing that Jesus talked about is this. And this word is intercession. 
interceding in prayer. This is more than just daily prayers. This is more than just prayer before meals or nighttime prayers with the kids. And those are great. Those daily prayers are great, and I want to encourage you in those. There's great value in having little moments of your day carved out to acknowledge God's blessing and to acknowledge God's presence and to present your needs to him. However, the word intercession When we're talking about intercession or interceding, we're talking about a more focused, longer, intense time of prayer. This is the idea of travailing or battling in prayer. This is the idea of praying until we hear from God. God, I'm going to pray and I'm not moving until you move. Doing battle, facing something that you need to fight against and you are doing battle in prayer. Now for many, this is a spiritual gift. Some people have a spiritual gift of intercession or prayer. Have you ever met someone that when they pray, it just you feel heaven moving. You just tell, you can just tell that they have a gift of intercession. They can really pray. I know people with this gift that they spend their days praying and interceding for other people. I get emails from people who have been called by God to just simply pray for other churches and other ministers and other people. What a great humbling moment it is to know that there are people with this gift of intercession who are praying for Homestead Church, who are praying for me as a pastor, who are praying for the needs of our church. This is the gift of intercession. This is something that we need to grow in. We need to have those times of extended prayer, focused prayer, where we are praying and interceding and travailing in prayer, seeking God to break through and do a miracle. There's a story in Matthew 26 um, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night that he's arrested and the night uh, before he is going to be crucified and tortured and beaten. And he is having this moment in prayer in Matthew 26 and he is interceding. This is Jesus having that increased um, time of focused prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm just turning there in my Bible. I want to read you the verses, verse 36 through 46. And I want you to think about a couple of things that Jesus, how much he needed prayer in this moment in order to do what God had called him to do. But also I want you to notice the progression that happens in Jesus as he prays through this night. So I'm reading in Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So we're starting out with Jesus being troubled, sorrowful to the point of death. He knows what he has to go through. He knows the cross is waiting for him tomorrow. And he is troubled. And he begins to pray. And notice what he prays. He's praying that God would find another way that God would find another way for his kingdom to be established other than the cross. And so it continues on, going a little further in verse 39. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. So what he's saying is, if it's possible for there to be another way, then let's find the other way. But then he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to this type the to the disciples, excuse me, and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples as he is doing 
that there's times where the only way to overcome temptation, the only way to overcome the flesh, the only way to do the things that God has called you to do is to set aside times of intense intercession and prayer. Verse 42, he went away the second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is intercession. This is travailing in prayer. This is someone who is preparing to do what God wants them to do and in extended prayer gets the strength and the resolve to do so. And you can see that in the progression of Jesus. In verse 38, he's saying, I'm greatly distressed. And in verse 39, he's saying, if it's possible for another way. And in verse 42, he's saying, if it's not possible, I understand, I will be done. And then in verse 46, he says, arise, disciples, it's time to go. He's prepared to go. He is prepared to take those steps and face what he needs to take. From I'm greatly distressed to arise, let's go. This is the power of intercessory prayer. This is serious, focused prayer, staying with it until there's a move. And in this case, it was the mindset of Jesus that was moved. It was his heart that was prepared. These prayer times are vital if we want to live the life that honors and obeys God. If you want to have the strength to resist areas of temptation in your life, if you want to have boldness to preach, if you want to see fruit of the Spirit come to your life, if you want to know that you are walking in step with the Holy Spirit and what he wants you to do, times of intercessory prayer are where those come from. This is times of extended prayer of intercession. When we were on our missions trip as a church team in Panama this last summer, um, the country of Panama, we go down there every year as a church and we um, help our missionary friends, Garrett and Tara Kenyon, who are the missionaries there, and we help them put on a conference for teenage girls and then another conference and event for teenage boys. The culture of abuse in the youth culture there is rampant. A lot of girls are abused. A lot of boys are committing abuse. It's just something that's ingrained in the culture. And we want to do our part to first bring hope and light to the young people of Panama and salvation and the good news of Jesus Christ, but also raise up a, help raise up a new generation that says, no, we're not going to treat girls like this. No, girls, we don't have to submit yourself to that abuse. There is hope. There is a new way to live. And so we're, that's why we do this. And as a result of this, we face, every year we go down there, we recognize that we face pretty significant spiritual opposition. Pretty significant attack of the enemy because the enemy has a stronghold of darkness in this culture of abuse. And we're coming down threatening that. So the enemy's throwing everything it can at us. So every week, we, in addition to prepping and doing school assemblies and preparing for the conference, we have times of extended intercessory prayer. Because every week, usually we're there like Monday, to Mon Monday through Monday, and the conference is on Friday and Saturday. We, by about Wednesday night that first week, we recognize, man, we need to pray because we're facing battle. We're facing opposition. So all the team members from our church and Garrett and Tara and all the leaders and all the team members from other churches around the country, usually around 100 people, we gather in this church close to the venue for the conference. And on the upper level of this church is the sanctuary, and we just begin to pray. 
and we begin to read the word, and we begin, we begin to declare the promises of God over every life in this conference, over every team member, over Garrett and Tara, the missionaries, we begin to do the work to intercede, to um, prepare the hearts, to plead the heart of the Father to come down and to break chains and to push back the enemy and to be victorious. So this is what we do. Now, this particular time, we were praying, and I was talking to Garrett, the missionary, afterwards, and his father was sitting next to him, and we were just talking about that time of faith, and I just felt like we weren't done. Like, I remember just saying to Garrett, like, I just feel like we need to spend more time in prayer. Like, there's just still things that need to be broken. And, um, but it was time to take the, you know, we had to lead this team, and dinner had been provided at a restaurant across the street, and so we had to lead the teams over there. And so we went and ate, and then we came back to the church afterwards, and when we came back, um, I remember I came back into the building with Christy, and on the lower level, people were, um, you know, doing conference prep and preparing for the setting up stage design things. We were just doing all the work, but upstairs in the sanctuary, we could hear, we heard something. We heard what sounded like shouting, really, is what we heard. We heard this commotion upstairs, and so Christy and I went upstairs to see what was going on. And Garrett's father, Wes, Wes Kenyon, great man of faith. He was praying. He had been praying that whole time. This is Garrett's father, and he was really praying. I mean, he was storming the gates. He was standing in the gap for the ministry of his son, Garrett. He was pleading to heaven for heaven to come down and to move, for the Holy Spirit to move and to prepare the hearts of those. He was praying, and I was so moved in that moment I was moved by the power and the intensity of his prayer. He was interceding. This was not regular day-to-day -day prayer. But I was so moved because he was standing in the gap for his kid, for this ministry that Garrett and Tara were trying to do. And, and Garrett's father was praying and storming the gates on behalf of his son. Now, I, what struck me in that moment is, and I'm going to say this to all the parents who are listening right now, we need to do this for our kids we need to stand in the gap and pray over our kids. Who more than you is going to pray for your kids? If your kid is struggling, certainly we look to the doctors and we look to counselors and we look to teachers and pastors. But first, we got to become interceding parents on behalf of our kids. Our kids go through a lot of battles. They are struggling in a lot of areas. There's an epidemic of depression and anxiety. There is an epidemic of suicide that is affecting a lot of young people today. Parents, we need to pray for our kids that the plans of the enemy would be bound in Jesus' name because there is an enemy that wants to trip them up and sidetrack them and keep them from pursuing the things that God has for them. So we pray that our kids would know their worth and value. We pray that our kids would be influencers of good and of the kingdom and of the light and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, play, we pray that the plans of the enemy would be thwarted and bound and would not have any effect over our kids. We pray that they would flourish and grow in faith and obedience. And we pray the promises of Scripture that no weapon formed against them will prosper, that they will live under the protection and under the shadow of the wing of Almighty God. This is what we need to do as parents. First and foremost, in addition to all the other things we do as parents, we need to learn and grow how to be people of prayer for our kids. Now, some of you are thinking, listening to this, I would, but I just don't know how to pray. 
I don't know all the Bible verses, and I don't know how to pray like all those people that pray really well. Here's what I want to challenge you on. If your kid came to you and said, Mom, Dad, I'm starving, would you ever say to them, yeah, I don't really know how to cook food. I don't really know how to find food, so I'm not really that kind of parent. What you would do is you'd figure it out. If your kid was starving, you would figure it out. So I need you as parents. We need to figure it out. We need to learn how to pray. Just start praying. Just begin to pray. Our youth group is going to have great formative moments and events, and we, they just went to a youth convention with 4,000 other teenagers from around the state. Those are great formative moments. Those are great encouraging moments where God can break through. But those are not the foundation for your kids to grow in their faith. The foundational moment is found in prayer. When we are praying for kids, when they learn how to pray and have a life of prayer, a life of daily discipleship, daily prayer, interceding, learn how to fast and pray. These are the foundations of faith that they're going to get, that are going to be built upon as your kids grow. So as a new season of church, from the youngest to the oldest, this foundation that we have, we're building a building and we're renovating it and we're going to have all sorts of great ministry for students and kids and families and marriages. But the foundation is prayer, and we have to make it a foundation of prayer. We must become people of prayer individually, and we must, as a group at Homestead Church, become a group that focuses on prayer. I want to see great group prayer meetings. I want to see the prayer life of individuals um, be dialed up and grow in intensity. There's going to be times where we fast and pray as a church, and I want everyone to be on board with that because prayer is going to be how we are going to see God move. It's how we're going to see God bless this ministry. It's how we're going to see the kingdom advance and bring light into the darkest places of our community and our schools and our neighborhoods and our workplaces. And it's just something that followers of Jesus do. If you want to be a follower, we pray. I want to close with one other verse found in Second Chronicles chapter 7. And this is the dedication of the temple. So I read this and I pray this as we dedicate this new building in a couple of months to the Lord. And this is what, as Solomon dedicated the temple, and when, when God spoke and God's presence came into that temple, and he said this. This is God speaking. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. We have a God who has his ears open and his eyes attentive to the prayers of his people. It doesn't have to be in a church because God's presence doesn't dwell in a building anymore like it did in Second Chronicles. We have the presence of God with us, and his ears and his eyes are open and attentive to the prayers of his people. We need to become people of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who listens and the God who cares. So, Lord, I am praying for everyone listening to this message that you would challenge us to grow in prayer, to be people of prayer, that we would see that in our church as individuals, that we would see that in our church as a community. And uh, I'm praying that as we pray that we would see you move, that you would impact our community and our city, you would impact our schools and our workplaces and our neighborhoods, 
because your people prayed and you healed our land. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.